0: Hi everybody, I'm Alice and welcome to Creative, the podcast where creative people share their experiences about working in those industries. In each episode, I will discuss with the guests about their career, their life story, their art, and the humanness in between. So sit back, relax, and join us for today's episode. Hi, everybody, and welcome to another episode of Creatives, a podcast that provides a space for creative people to tell us more about careers, life story, and the humanness in between. So today, people, I'm really grateful for the guest that is joining me today. Today's guest goes by she, her. However, I will convince her to change them to creative genius because I think she is really, she is a designer, a furniture designer based in London, UK. She's also the proud founder of London-based object and furniture studio, Roll Studio. So please welcome Olly Rollins on the podcast. Hi, Holly. Hi, Milys. Thank you for having me. You're welcome. How are you? How's the vibe in
1: London? Oh, it's good. It's been, honestly, we've had so much rain. It's been like flooding which is typical London but the sun has been out today I'm feeling chilled yeah and I'm ready to get into it how is it in Paris?
0: All good all good we have sun it's all all you want that's all you need yeah yeah yeah. a little bit of sun a little bit of sun yeah okay so if you want to know more about Holly just tune in sit back relax and listen to this episode okay Holly So I wanted to start this episode by going back on Merrill Lane. Where did you grow up? Were you already attracted by producing your own thing and, you know, just creating
1: in general? Okay, so I grew up in West London um, and I've lived here pretty much all my life. Uh, I spent a lot of my summers in the US. My dad is from the States. So I was really going back and forth between London and then the United States and just seeing the cultural differences um, from each side. Uh, I was always painting and drawing from an early age. And I think my parents, they weren't creatives themselves, but we have a lot of creative people in our family. Musically, typically we're we're quite um, a creative family in that in that aspect, but my mom kind of saw it in me from early. I was, I was painting and drawing. I was kind of away with the fairies. And her recognising that in me planted a seed inside my head that, you know, being creative, was, it's normal. And London is a place to foster that and the place to grow.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I wanted to know, how was it going up in London when you were trying to understand your creativity, you know, during your formative years?
1: um London has this buzz about it that makes you feel like anything is possible you know just looking at like the talent that London has produced and just seeing how everyone is navigating and fostering their own path has always been inspiring to me and I think even before I was super aware of it as a child it was always there in the background um so growing up in London really helped shape that that part of me that felt that I could do anything and I can really like Foster my own path and do my own thing. So yeah, London has has had a big influence on me as a person and as a designer. Um, yeah, it's it's just taught me that you can be unique and be whoever you want to be here.
0: Yeah. So little Holly grew up, and I wanted to know where did design seriously got in the picture for you? What drawn you to design specifically?
1: Okay, so I know this sounds like really cliche, but I think I always knew, I always took it seriously. Um, I was aware, maybe not consciously, but I was aware from an early age that everything around me was made by someone or designed or thought or imaginated, imaginated, imagined by someone. Yeah. Um and I always kind of was drawing and sketching. And I remember like my first like proper thought of being a d- designer or a creative was. My mom asked me what I wanted to be. And I remember thinking, oh, I want to design wedding dresses. Or, you know, like when you're a little girl, you see like the big poofy gowns and stuff. So I always knew that designing, it was either I wanted to be a wedding dress designer or I wanted to be an illustrator, like someone that illustrated kids' books. So I always took the concept of being an artist seriously. I just hadn't found my path. I just didn't know where I was going to slot into that. And it would always change throughout the years. It would always change. Um, I think I started to take environmental design, furniture, architecture, interiors seriously when I came out in the working world, like, you know, working your first retail job and being like so bored, (laughs) so (laughs) bored in your retail job. And I remember looking around and thinking I could make this place so much better. I could get all these customers in if this place looked nice. And that's, I think that's when I started to take environmental design seriously
0: yeah do you have an educational background in the in your field of work and if Mm -hmm. so how would you say that coming from coming into design with an institutional education has Mm -hmm. shaped your way to approach creativity and just your view on the industry
1: so I have a BA in interior architecture Mm -hmm. and then I have a master's in furniture and product design. And I really wanted some formal training and vocational skills that I could take to any job wherever I ended up and kind of contort them into the career that I wanted them to be. Um, So yes, to answer your question, I have two degrees, um, but I think it's experience that shaped me as a designer. I think my first degree was what taught me the skills And then my master's is what taught me how to think like a designer.
0: Yeah, yeah. I have to say like, I I was really happy that you were, you know, going for being here because like I, I saw in your journey parts of mine, because in high school I was in a special class specialized in design and applied art. And one thing that made me go on a different path now, it's like I felt like they tried to put me into a box. In a and box. I, yeah. yeah. And that really just disgusted me from design. It's, and
1: yeah, it's so similar here, though. Um, I was fortunate enough to have like a really amazing art teacher in school who told me that there were all these different paths. Um, and I don't think everybody had that. And I think representation really mattered. Like, I always knew that I wanted a creative career in design, um, but I couldn't see myself in any of the areas that, that I was going into. I'd, I'd go into like the architecture field, and it, it'd feel very um, like a space that wasn't typically loads of females, especially black females. I think like 1% of architects are black. Um, and then you know it that that kind of took me away from it and I I realized I didn't want to be that person on CAD just clicking lines I wanted something that showed creative flair and vision um but it's hard when you're taught that you you either do architecture which is very straight cut and you stick to a system and skill or you know you're kind of like a struggling artist that's all I I knew those two vocations so like, I think the representation is what mattered. And I saw someone else doing what I'm currently doing now. And I owe a lot of my career path to her. I met her on a whim. Um, She was a fellow black British furniture designer. I met her by accident. And I remember seeing her and saying, oh, so like, what do you do? And she was like, oh, I'm a furniture designer. And I remember this bulb going off in my head and thinking, you can do that. Like, I didn't know you could do that. I didn't know you as one person could just be this person by yourself, be this designer. And so I followed her journey. I I was with, I was working for someone else and um, I, I emailed her and I was like, I want to work for you. Like, show me what you're doing. I want to do it too. This I didn't know I could do this until I met you. I didn't see any other black women doing this like teach me and she took me under her wing and that was it for me that's where I started my like career in furniture design yeah yeah yeah
0: that's why having representation is like Mm. one of the core aspects of how you are creating your identity you know representation helps you to just choose
1: and you know yeah and it helps you to like understand that your dreams are real and I think that's something exactly. that stops us. Yeah, that's something that stops us all the time. Thinking you can do something, but not seeing anyone else do it, or especially someone that doesn't look like you. So I think that it's really, if I left one mark on the world, if all of this went down and and I, and I it didn't come to fruition, the one thing that would keep me going is knowing that there's probably another black girl sitting out there watching what I'm doing and thinking, well, she did it, I can do it too. And that is enough for me. That is yeah. 100% enough, like, I can't stress how important that representation was to me. So, yeah.
0: Yeah, that's why I wanted to know what was the reason behind your your specialty and into these Mm -hmm. branches. What made you choose these particular branches?
1: So I knew I always wanted to land in the interior and architecture world once I crossed out every other aspect of design. I did lots of um, work experience in fashion, Um, I did some experience in in like like molding and making things and I just thought it wasn't for me and I knew I wanted to land in interiors and architecture world. I just didn't enjoy how wide the scope was so I interior I interned in an interior design practice and I remember thinking I liked certain practices but not all of it I didn't like curtain picking I didn't like you know oh to like choosing taps and stuff like that (laughs) you know like faucets for the bathroom and so i i realized that to make a really impressive picture is a lot of tiny amazing elements and i like to think that i just took a viewfinder and zoomed in on the elements itself and landed there that's that's how i was like i'd rather be making the tiny beautiful elements to make a bigger picture than focusing on the larger image itself
0: yeah Mm -hmm. so how would you describe your brand DNA now that you are around the designer and what helps you find it what helps you you know curve your own space in a crowded industry like design
1: well in all honesty um I think my brand DNA is is me it's it's just a reflection of me and as I change and as I grow as a designer the brand will change as well um I at the moment I I make what I feel like I make what like I uh, is a design response to something I feel really passionately about and those will change with time so I'm trying to not to be super rigid in myself and say this is my brand DNA this is my core because As humans, we're changing. So, our outlooks are gonna change, and so are our designs. So, I think what helped me carve out my space is acceptance of myself, accepting that I'm not gonna be this one person for the rest of my life. I'll always move and I'll always grow, and my brand will as well. It's just I make reflections of what I feel. And if I'm feeling good, I might make something good. And if I'm feeling bad, I might make something bad. I've made bad stuff. I think everyone as, as artists have, have made something at the time. You think, yeah, this is so good. And then you look back and you're like, that was really shit, oh, yeah. <laughs> that looks so bad. But it's part of your journey and it's a part of your process of figuring out who you are as a person. And those mistakes are needed and mandatory. In fact, mm-hmm. I have them like all the tiny little prototypes that I, I made before creating my debut piece all the tiny little prototypes are like lying around my studio and sometimes i look at it and think that was a really good idea i just thought it was bad at that time so you can revisit those different parts of yourself and carve out your identity through that and as long as you're showing your journey that will that will help leave your mark on yeah. the world yeah
0: yeah so as i said in the intro you are the proud founder of Full studio could you tell us more about the whole process of just building from the ground role studio from the idea behind it, the project, and you know, releasing your debut piece?
1: Okay, so I think creating role was always in the back of my mind for about five years. Um, I it was just really for me finding the confidence to take the first step. Um and getting the inspiration for the first piece. I didn't know what it was going to be. I just knew that I wanted to create something with meaning behind it, with intention behind it. Um, so behind the aura chair, I actually had designed it like at the height of the pandemic and the BLM crisis. So we're quite new, we're, we're quite a new studio, but um, I remember I was sitting down and I was I was looking around at just my friendship groups, my group chats, my my girls, and looking and thinking we're so young we're all in our 20s going through this major life crisis the world is is like going up in smokes with covid and on top of that as as people of color as black women as black people we were hurting double time because of everything that was going going on with george floyd everything that was going on was just a lot for us and it was doing daily check-ins with my community and my people and saying, you know, how are you today? How are you feeling? Are you good? Are you getting enough rest? Are you drinking enough water? And I wanted to create a design response to black mental health and how we can care for each other or how we can just find our peace within the objects that are around us. And I thought to myself, how cool would it be if I designed a chair specifically for the use of meditation and meditation can be anything It can be sitting down, it could be journaling, it could physically be meditating and you know visualizing, but it can also just be taking some time for yourself. And I wanted to create something that fostered that and that helped that and aided that. So with the design process, I looked into what colors soothe your brain and what calms you down, what textures, what materials, what shape language. And I I remember looking into loads of like neurological studies and journals on shapes that can soothe you and I really wanted whatever I created whatever it may have been to just envelop the user and the sitter of the chair and just make them feel so secure and so at peace and that is my design response to how I wanted to help my community so that's that's how the Aurichai came about um but yeah I had the concept of creating the studio I think for about five years before I even did it I just didn't know what that mark would be and the pandemic and the BLM movement really evoked that emotion out of me and allowed me to create this.
0: I just love that the orature is your first piece because I wished that I had that during the summer of 2020. I had to say it was a very traumatic experience for me and Mm. I when I get overwhelmed I really just go into yourself yeah and I (laughs) think that if I had that during this time it would have been really really helpful for me because I didn't have someone to talk about these things and Mm -hmm mental health is something really important for me and the only thing that I had really was my journal so I really like to have my space and my time for journaling when I'm overwhelmed and I think that's just really a great piece like I like creativity but I like
1: creativity with purpose and yes and intention more thank you it um another thing about the pandemic was that we were stuck in our surroundings and everything really felt like groundhog day you know it was the same thing every single day and I thought like what would I love to have in my house that would just just make me smile or remind me that you know like when I look at look at the chair in my studio I'm like okay this is what I'm doing this for I'm doing this for my community I'm doing this for you know my health my creative expression and for me it's not necessarily about pushing a product like I'm not going to sit here and say you need this chair in your house for your mental health to be better no it's if you can have the chair in your space and recognize the context behind it talk about it with your friends or your family and and it reminds you of like putting yourself first and your mental health first and finding your peace in your life however that may look I just wanted something that represented that an object that represented that so yeah Yeah, I'm glad you like it
0: yeah I was going through your website and I was like yeah something is different with your creative process I just felt that because I don't know it was not a creative process with the aim to just create with a logical core, a logical yeah. lens. It was mm-hmm. more uh, a aim to create with emotions, you mm-hmm. know, first, yeah. and then logical. It yeah. was not like really yeah. look at me, go have my chair because mm. will do that, that, that. No, if you want the chair, go get it. You know, mm. it really just speak to you as a person and not as you know a human that just need to
1: sit, some- sit yeah. somewhere. Yeah and I think that that reads in the unconventionalness of the chair I think when I first went to go and get it manufactured I remember taking the model and the renders and the, the measurements to the manufacturer and I was like this is what I want made and they're like what is it and no one could figure out what it actually was and I was like that's what I want I want you to have to think about what it is it's not going to look like your bog standard you know chair in an office or in a living room it it has a lot of intention behind it and the use of it is completely different to a normal chair you don't sit on it conventionally you kind of sit on it upside down so where you think your head would go it's actually where your legs go and the curve is where what supports your back and I read an article um during the pandemic about navy seals like the American navy how they nap power nap um, and get 15 minutes power nap by sitting in this really specific position where your legs are upright and your your head is down and your body is kind of at this you know angle that looks uncomfortable but it, it takes all the pressure from underneath your back and, and it sends you into this amazing sleep an amazing power nap so that's that's something that i incorporated into the chair design and yeah like you said i just I didn't want to just create for the sake of creating a chair there's thousands of chairs out there but I wanted it to have representation meaning and intention behind it and I'm glad I did it (laughs) I'm glad I did it
0: when I first made
1: it I hated it I I made it I designed it and then I I had it made into reality into this massive piece Mm -hmm. and I was like oh my god this is really in your face this is the complete opposite of what i want to say but then with time i was like actually this is exactly what i want to say it's it's different it's unique and it's bold and it it's intended to make you think so yeah.
0: so every job implies like some difficulties you know financial difficulties dealing with clients and juggling with different tasks and just finding the practice that resonates with you and your values could you tell us more about what type of difficulties you have faced while building your career and your studio and how did you overcame those
1: um okay so I think run, working for yourself in general is a struggle you have to be your motivator you have to be your accountant you have to be your social media manager you have to be your you know your financial backer you have to do everything yourself so it can feel really lonely I think a mistake that I made like at the beginning of starting was was rushing and thinking that I needed to have everything done now I'm running out of time I need to be doing this and doing that so it looks like I'm doing lots of stuff but um I think taking your time because as someone who's working for yourself you have so many hats and so many things to do that rushing is only going to make it not to the quality of what you want it to be and that can cause a lot of burnout and when you're constantly rushing things um you trip up and then you start to self-doubt and you start to think oh my gosh Nothing's going my way, and nothing's going right. I'm not doing this correctly. but really, what I needed to do is just take a step back and look at everything and work my way through methodically so that I wasn't stressing myself out too much and, you know, just taking my time and just not thinking that you have to have everything figured out within your first year of launch. That's so ridiculous. I've made so many changes since my launch, and I think now I'm starting to properly find my brand dna and who i want to be as a designer i think you know it's it's a process and just never rush the process
0: yeah i like that you shed light on how you were rushing in the beginning because beginning steps are always really overwhelming for creative mm-hmm. people i felt this way because you know you are in this like limbo where you don't know where to start and you know, yeah. you are stuck between if I'm rushing, I may not see what mistakes or just, you know, silly things to, not supposed to do, or mm-hmm. if you're just really slow about it. You are not really moving and you're just stuck in this mindset of perfectionism. And, you know, mm-hmm. you just stop yourself from doing the things. And I wanted to know what mistake did you make? where you were starting out and now you know you are grateful for
1: yeah I don't really like look back on my mistakes and think damn I wish I didn't do that I think everything is a learning curve Mm -hmm. um but something that I typically do is talk myself out of things um I start to fundamentally believe that I'm not good enough or I'm not ready to do it so I think where the rushing stems from is just trying to like curveball myself and just be just do it just jump right in and keep going so that i don't have time to overthink i don't have time to self-doubt um so i'm grateful for the mistake of rushing things however i wish i did like in retrospect just slow down and and take my time because i knew that once i had launched there was no backtracking it was yes. it was all go but if i had pushed back and pushed back and procrastinated then it probably i probably wouldn't have even been launched by now <laughs> if i didn't push myself to do it so whilst i think it was a mistake to rush i'm grateful for the fact that i did because i don't think i would have taken the jump yeah. i would have overthought it over and over again but also i will say one mistake i i will highlight is that in the spirit of just jumping right in i didn't think about all of the background stuff i had to do web design and collaborating and juggling you know um, a job and funding yourself i didn't think of all of these things super well but now like after a year i've really found my feet and you know that when you're self-funding anything you have to have a plan of where your money's going to go you how you're going to spend it how you're going to sustain and live and and do all this stuff so in a sense I I I've now learned how to take my time while still pushing on so yeah yeah. rushing rushing thank you silver lining but won't be doing that again
0: (laughs) yeah yeah so I just wanted to go back on something that you said earlier about your when you're rushing you may you know fall into uh, self-doubt how do you stay grounded in yourself and in your practice what are your way to navigate those crises of self-confidence and self-doubt
1: um I think the way I stay grounded there's there's typical ways that I do it just like any other person meditation journaling going to therapy, all very healthy things that you can do for yourself. A personal thing that I do for myself is just to remember not to compare myself to anyone else's journey. And also remember what I'm doing it for. Um, I didn't do like start role to become something that I'm not. I just wanted to show the world what, how my brain works and what I could put out there, without the pressure of like blowing up or, you know, becoming viral. I think that's on everyone's mind in this generation, like this instant generation of, I wanna blow, I wanna be a viral TikToker or whatever. Um, I just want the people who know who I am to know what I'm doing it for and to know where it stems from. Um, and that's what keeps me grounded is, is just, I'm on a journey and, if you're with me and you're following along and you're watching hey welcome um it's not about you know blowing up or being viral it's about creating that organic growth and growing as a designer as well yeah Yeah. so that's what keeps me grounded the notion of of just being an artist and doing what you love
0: yeah I love that you highlighted like since we live in the digital age creativity means now that you must have some knowledge and you know you must take this social media thing on mm. a level in your creative practice now you it's must so much you know, yeah you you I know that you must acknowledge it but now people I feel like they're only motivated by that you know not yeah. by just wanted to create things and you know it's it's weird it's It's weird it's weird like it's so
1: weird yeah it's it's 100% weird I had this conversation with my friend the other day where I was like I want to run a business and I want to be a designer but I don't want to have to by default be a content creator to plug my business. I just don't understand that. And if that's what you want to do, if you want to be a content creator with a business, that's fine. Your content creation will always be before your business. So then you start like not thinking about the product as much or whatever you're putting out there. And I just never want to lose sight of, of, you know, what I'm doing for the sake of Instagram, for the sake of social media. I think social media kind of harms my mental health and that is like the opposite of what I stand for and what I'm trying to put out there and what I'm trying to design. Um, I think social media is an amazing tool and it's a great device but I think people have lost their way with it a little bit. You don't have to do stuff just for Instagram. You don't have to do stuff just because... TikTok told you so and you don't have to blow up and you don't have to be viral you don't have to create content in that way create content of what you're making and put your art out there but that doesn't have to be at the forefront of your mind I think if you have um, a background in social media and you know how to manipulate it and make it work to your advantage amazing if you don't don't let that be your driving force because that's where you start to you're not it's not a genuine passion it's just for the sake of other people seeing what you're doing and then you're living your life for others and that my friend is not a healthy thing it's not healthy
0: yeah yeah and you know with with all that happened with covid i felt like this collective experience that we had has shaped new behaviors in us especially with social media and as far as I'm concerned with my creativity I was so attached with social media that like this podcast I had this idea like almost a year and a half and I'm just with social media I was so concerned about launching it in in the perfect way in the perfect yeah the perfect aesthetic and all Mm. but you know I think like so good Covid just made me aware ironically, like of what I really wanted with my creativity. I think that it's the same with most people and I wanted to know yeah. you what do you think your industry and you know creative industries in general needs now because things like innovations mm. just feel
1: soulless now, you know? yeah, it does it does it does and I will be the first to put my hand up and say, I think during the pandemic, that's when the the idea of social media really got to me. Um, I have been a model for majority of my adult life. And that's how I made my income. And when I couldn't, when I was stuck in my house and I couldn't go out, the only way you would get paid as a model was to do at home shoots, to do um, content creation or to push a product on your Instagram. And I'll be the first one to admit that I got caught up in that for a little, for that period of time. It's never before that it never crossed my mind. I never wanted to be an influencer. I never wanted to be a content creator, but when you're locked away in your house and your only mean of means of income is taken away from you, I started to really focus on it and I was like, I need to be doing this. I need to be doing that. And that was all going on on the side of creating the aura so there was like two really conflicting parts of my journey during the pandemic and it was coming out of it and and realizing like yo this isn't actually what I'm about the latter of like you know being a designer and creating something is what I'm about I just just got lost in that source of trying to create income to push that dream. And that could have taken over really easily. That's that is the scary thing about it for me. I'll I'll put my hands up and say that. I'm glad I've come out of that. Um, I'm now in a different frame of mind. And also it's okay to ebb and flow with what social media influences you to do, because as a collective and as a group of people, especially as a generation, we're led by this thing it's a machine it's a it's something that funds um, pushes like consumerism and we're kind of taught to believe that this is the only way you're really gonna succeed but I think being genuine and just showing your journey and being true to your truth is what will help you thrive as a designer it's not about clout it's not about numbers it's not about following and what you said about launching in the most um, aesthetic way. I can really resonate with that. I was so in my head about it, but you know what? It is okay to rebrand. It is okay to relaunch as you change. So should your image. So should your brand DNA. And I'm in the process of going through a rebrand with my studio right now. I don't know if you saw it before. We have a new website launching, um, which I feel is way more true to who I am now. Um, you know I cleaned up the Instagram and it's okay to rebrand and it's okay to change your mind and your opinion and it's okay for your social media and your brand to reflect that Um, it's just making sure you're not caught up in the notion of content creation for the sake of content creation yeah yeah
0: yeah it's really something that I just noticed in people that social media push you to create a certain identity and something yeah. and, and I think it's just dumb it's, it's because, branding
1: yourself yeah. yeah it's it's literally just like you are the brand sell yourself but it's okay to take a step back and push what you're more what you believe in more if you're the type of person that's that way inclined where you're like yeah I want to be the face of this and I want to be you know a, a, a celebrity in my own right then fair dues and that's amazing if you have that confidence and you have that driving force behind you me personally <laughs> I it's, it's so contradictory to what I do as a, as a day job like I'm a model but I very much enjoy privacy and letting my my work speak for itself not my image and not what I look like to other people and I think you know in the modeling industry you are judged at face value for whatever you look like and that is what you book jobs on and that can be really damaging for your mental health and for your for your formative years growing up your your identity and your self-worth and I'm so glad that I can have an identity outside of that industry that shows my core because on a day-to-day basis I'm just judged and face value of what I look like or you know what I can present to the public so you know just showing yourself through your art is an amazing thing and you're doing it with this podcast you're showing what you're interested in you're showing um other like-minded genuine people who will also have that same journey as you or that same outlook and that's amazing like yeah. really Thank you. good for you. Thank <laughs> you no worries yeah
0: I just wanted to jump back on something like you said your day job is being a model you know being a model seems so mesmerizing you don't know really what do you need to really do it's not just Cheese and smile on the camera. How you experience as a model has shaped your way to go into your creative phase and creative process, and how it helps you, you know, with creating just role Studio and all.
1: Okay, so I think modeling is such an interesting, interesting industry. Um, so I, I'm sure you can identify with this as a black woman. Um, you, you're, you're thrown out into the world knowing that you're at a slight disadvantage to everybody else, because this is a, a white man's world. This, you know, the, like the infrastructure is not set up for us the same way. And in modeling, it's kind of doubled. You, you're you kind of told I, that you have to work harder than any other white model with blonde hair and blue eyes because you are a black woman or a black man as a model. And that's something that I was told, You know, it's kind of ingrained in you anyways as a person, but I was physically told that in my first agency, you're great, you're just gonna have to work harder because you are a black woman. And that, if you don't have a thick skin, the industry can really break you. Um, it's constant rejection. It's like going, castings is like going for a job interview every single day and maybe you'll get it, maybe you don't. Um, but it's, it taught me resilience, thick skin, and to not take things personally. And it also taught me that your personality shines through. You could show up to a job with three other girls that look exactly like you, but what will get your client to rebook you is showing who you are and your personality. And I'm lucky and I'm grateful that I was able to foster this career because it allowed me the time and space to develop myself as a designer. I didn't have to go into work nine to five every single day um, to, you know, find myself and to, do you know what I mean? Like, I didn't, I just didn't, I had a lot of free time in in uni, in, um, you know, it just gave me free time to assist and try out loads of things, so I'm grateful for it for that completely. Um, and it allowed me to pick when I could work and, you know, days off. So it has its pluses, but it also has a lot of its minuses. And if you are the type of person that is easy, that is like sensitive, I'm, I <laughs> I'm sensitive. I think I've just grown a thicker skin because of the industry. It's taught me a lot of resilience and it's taught me about rejection, um, and it's helped me it's helped me push through the naysayers. Um, when I started Roll, a lot of people didn't understand what I was doing. And there's just, there's not a lot of um, representation within the furniture design industry, especially as, as black people. Um, but it, I think the resilience I had gotten from modeling allowed me to push on and carve my own path out and allowed me to have some tunnel vision. As a human being, Sometimes you get into your mind and you're like, oh, can I really do this? Do do other people believe in me? Like, am I a joke? Like, do you know what I mean? Like you can yeah. you can get into your head. But I I think like just knowing that you can get through in yourself and you can believe in yourself is really your my driving force. Um, I always say that if I don't take myself seriously no one else is going to take me seriously yeah. so it's it's really believing yourself and I think modeling taught me that resilience it it really is a hard career to have i don't I don't think it's glamorous at all um you're constantly like told little bits about you are not correct for the job that you're doing um, if it's your height or your shoe size or you know your hair texture those little tiny micro micro things that people comment on can really get you down. Yeah. It's just taught me that you have to push through and know that you are there because of who you are, like, and how you are with people. Yeah. So and to put it in a really long winded way, it's such a complicated yeah. industry, but it's, it's, it's taught me a lot and it's, it's allowed me a lot of space and freedom. So I, I'm grateful for it.
0: Yeah, yeah. So, I wanted to say to you that I really admired, I just admired you for your resilience because you really are working in two industries where, you know, you must receive many, many external opinions about you. Wanted to not. And I wanted to know what advice in your journey just helped you to find you know supportive friends and a supportive community around you do you have you know any places when you can just turn to for advice
1: yeah definitely um I do think that community is the most important thing we have um I grew up in a Caribbean household and you know from an early age you're taught to stay within your community and and make sure you keep your community alive so that you know your roots. And so that's really important for me, being around family, being around friends, like-minded artists and creatives. Um, and I really think that you have to re- look for your community. You can't, they won't just appear. You know, you have to really go out and find people who are on the same journey as you, or at least, you know, trying and banding together so that you have that support, you know, being freelance, being self-employed, it's really lonely sometimes, you're by yourself. Um, being an artist is, is a lonely process. And I think if you can just find some community of like-minded people to keep you going, to keep you strong, to, to remember that you're not alone is really important. I am a part of uh, a female POC group, um, where we all have businesses where we're all self-employed where we're all freelance and you ha- I have that kind of community to, to fall back on um I also have quite a lot of creative friends who are doing what I'm doing um which is so helpful because I like I said I, I didn't I don't have particularly creative parents or family um I have a uh, like a few like we have creative minds but, but no one's really got a career in a creative field in my family and so that can leave me feeling quite alienated um when you see everybody around you following the same format of life it can really make you feel out of sorts so it's surrounding yourself with people who are doing what you're doing just to remind yourself that you're not alone and and you can achieve whatever you want to as long as you have the right mind frame and and community around you community is so important
0: yeah I'm just so glad for you that you have just this community around you with PLC people like you like oh uh, yes PLC. yeah that yeah. is like amazing
1: it is it's so good I would encourage everybody to really just look online and find your people find your groups create your own clout and um I, I can't thank the community that I'm a part of enough for that um, they really made me feel supported. And if you ever have a question, you know, you, you can just log on to literally a Slack channel, like a working channel, and post a question in the notice board. Hey guys, feeling alone today, does anyone want to co-work? Or does anyone want to come to my studio and work with me? Or um you know, just asking questions like how do I write an email to this client, you know, respectfully declining an offer or fighting for my day rate? Like that's been so important. So I'd really urge everybody to go out and find these kind of groups for your own kind of discipline yeah
0: especially for POC girls and just POC in general because you Mm -hmm. know we just go into this working world with a disadvantage
1: even when you are not aware of it um, yeah absolutely and also I feel like if you are um, from a marginalized background and you're going into a work environment which is like majority um, white male um, and then another person of color comes into the comes into the, the equation. More often than not, you are made to feel like you're going head to head with this person or you you know you're fighting for who can be the best at this because there can only be one of you. And that is just really a myth. I really believe that there is strength in numbers, there's strength in community and it's it's forging together that will help more more awareness and more um marginalized groups break into workplaces if we can just find community in that
0: yeah so now what is the want for you what how do you visualize your future and the future of role studio um
1: i think i would really like for role to be eventually an interdisciplinary design studio i would love to collaborate with people from different design backgrounds to me and to create something really amazing and unique together um i like to think of what i'm doing as not just like not homeware but like livable art or lifestyle art so i'd really like to continue down that path um i'm definitely going to be bringing out more pieces in the near future um things that are just springboarding off of my debut piece. And I'd really like to grow on that and hopefully get some commissions um, from different companies or designers to just create something within their space for them to serve their purpose. I want someone to come to me with an issue or uh, something they feel strongly about and say, Holly, create a response. And that's what I'd really like.
0: Yeah. Yeah, I love that. So I think we've covered a lot today. So mm-hmm. just thank you, Holly, for being with me and sharing the time with me today. I just loved our conversation. And I just, you. just prosperity and good luck on your journey because what you are doing now is really important. And I think everyone need to shed light on you and just push you to do great things not that you need
1: someone to push you like but just no do- i think i do <laughs> thank you so much for having me and it's really made me feel um seen and kind of makes me want to push on even more to know that there's people out there watching and caring about what i'm doing and yeah. um Thank you so much for having me and I wish you all the best this podcast. It's going to be amazing. I know it.
0: All right, people. That's it for today's episode. I want to thank Holly again for taking the time to share with me her journey. And if you want to know more about her, just check the bio of this podcast and I will see you for another episode. Bye.